What's up, my good peoples? Welcome to the Be Transformed Podcast, where we're talking about ideas that stimulate wholesome thinking into identity, purpose, vision, and action. I am James Anderson. What is going on, my good peoples? It's been a hot minute, uh, to be sure, but we have not been stagnant. No, man, we've been... uh, We've been doing some stuff, man. We've been working on some things. We got some uh, a project in the works that uh, we'll talk about as it gets uh, further along in the old development process. Man, we've been chewing on some ideas on how to really expand, be transformed, and kind of take it to the next level. That stuff's pretty cool. And um, yeah, we did this uh, this four session. Uh, BT teen edition group. That was real cool. That was like uh, 12 to 15 teens who were like 13 to 16 ish. And uh, yeah, that was cool. And then we revamped the jumpstart program. So we've been working on some stuff, but today we're back. And uh, yeah, this is a, this has been a word I've been chewing on. This was a word, um, yeah, that's kind of really just kind of been unfolding uh, in my life, and yeah, and so it's um, in uh, in Numbers thirteen and fourteen, uh, the is- Israelites get to uh, the Promised Land for the first time, and God tells Moses to send out twelve spies, one head or leader from each tribe. Uh, the spies go out, they come back, and 10 out of the 12 come back with the wrong word. This wrong word influences the whole congregation to believe that it's not possible to go into the promised land. And then the people end up getting disqualified. But what's interesting is that it was not God's intent for the people that get get disqualified. The people got disqualified because 10 of the spies that went out gave a bad report. Well, God was the one that told Moses to send out the spies, but it wasn't his intent to have this outcome. Meaning that these 10 leaders missed what God had to show them. And they ended up disqualifying the whole, con- the whole generation to be able to get in there. But so we're going to look at this. We're going to end up, this is going to end up being like a, a two parter. But today we're going to look at like what was God's intent for sending out the spies? Because if it wasn't for them to get disqualified, then what was it that he wanted them to see? What was the report he wanted the spies to bring back? And then we're going to look at how do you actually, you know, because here, here was, here's, these were 12 leaders. Now, two of them saw God, met God, saw what God wanted to show them. But they were, but the people were so sold on what the ten brought back that they couldn't even hear uh, Joshua and Caleb. 
So we're going to look at how do you actually judge a word correctly, right? So we don't end up being like the congregation. How do you effectively assess a word and find out just because just because somebody says it and just because somebody's in a position of leadership and they say something doesn't mean it's accurate. Doesn't mean it's wrong either, but it's like, how do you actually determine, you know, if you have different words or a word, how do you actually determine? It's like, is that actually from God or not? And so today, that's the, those are the two things we're going to look at. So without further ado, let's get it on. So we're going to kind of skim through numbers 13 and 14. Let's do it. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a leader among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, and all the men, and all of them men who were heads of the children of Israel. Now, these were their names. I'm not going to read them because it would be funny. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up this way to the south and go to the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests there or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land back. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land, and they went to all these different places, and they cut uh, a cluster of grapes and carried it, between two of two people on one pole. Then they brought some of the pomegranates and the figs, and they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told them, And said, or told him, and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and among the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people. What's happening here? It started off good. (laughs) Right? It started off good. The spies come back and all like, Moses, Aaron there, and all the congregation is there, and they just, blam, start blurting out what happened. And he says, look, man, the land truly does flow with milk and honey, and this is its fruit, right? Here's proof um, of what the land is actually like and what it can produce. Nevertheless, that's never good. 
right? He's they start going into this whole thing. The people are huge. The, they got fortified cities. The descendants of Anak are there, which were giants and. Oh, it was terrible. It was bad. Boom. And it says Caleb had to quiet the people. Why? Because everybody's getting a bit antsy, a bit of an uproar. They're like, oh, my gosh, this actually isn't going to work out. Oh, my gosh, we got here, and the people are freaking big, and they're going to kill us. Oh, my gosh, the whole thing was a hoax. Caleb's like, shh, my good people, <laughs> chill out. And he says, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are able to overcome it. So here's these guys giving this bad report, and Caleb's like, guys, forget this. Let's go right now. He's like, we took it freaking took us over a year to get here. The promised land is right there. All we got to do is go. Let's roll. The faster we move, the faster that land is ours. Let's go. This is Caleb. This is what he saw. But everybody's like, oh, but here it goes, right? So it says, so the first guys gave the bad report. Caleb jumps in. But then, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Caleb just said, let's go do it. And he says, no, we can't do it. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying the land through which we had gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw are men of great stature. They, there they saw the giants, the descendants of Anak. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. So we were in their sight. So quickly, what started off at the very beginning as a good word, went negative. Caleb tried to bring it back, but that didn't matter because they had already started to jump into their like default mentality. What they saw is beginning to change like before our ears. He said, we're not able to go up against the people for they're stronger than we are. The land through which we had gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. I thought it was a land that flows with milk and honey. And they were like, no, no, no. It's a land that devours its inhabitants. It eats them up. Woo, and all the people are huge. Israel's mentality is like, if there's a problem, it's... It's because God brought us out here to kill us. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So anyways, this is bad. This is bad. So now the people are really freaking out. So here in uh, Numbers 14, it says, so after that one, it says, So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. Oh, my. They got sold on this word. It's not possible. The people are big. What's the thing you actually have to defeat if you want the land? The people. What's your biggest problem? The people. Can you do it? They said no. Oh, my gosh. They wept all night. They wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, which is, that's kind of their default. And then the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if we had only died in the wilderness. Now, that is a new statement. 
all throughout the wilderness, they're like, let's go back to Egypt. Oh my gosh, why couldn't we die there? At least we had food. Why do we have to die the slow death? Well, this is like, you know, this is one of those indicators that's like, hey, no, they're actually about to embark on a new season because now they're saying we're in a new place. Why couldn't we at least, the wilderness was better than this. How come we couldn't die there? Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let's select a leader and return to Egypt. (laughs) Oh, man, it's getting bad out there. So Moses and Aaron, they fall on their face before all the assembly because you got to believe, man, it's, it's getting hot. This is becoming a hostile takeover. Like, you brought us out here. This is all lies. Now we got to do something. So they fall on their face. But Joshua and Caleb, who were among those who spied out the land, tore their clothes, and they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregation said to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. All right, so God shows up at this point. So there's this bad report. Caleb jumps in and be like, no, guys, we can do it. Let's go now. They're like, no, that's dumb. That's not even possible. We're all going to die. They're like, oh, my gosh, we're all going to die. Let's go back to Egypt. Let's get us a new leader. Forget this Moses guy. And uh, let's head back. And uh, Caleb and Joshua jump in. And they're like, guys, look. <laughs> what the heck? Don't don't worry about the people, man. The people are going to be like our bread, man. It's going to be like an evening snack. I mean, how scary is it to go, you know, get off the couch and go into the kitchen and grab a yogurt and some Cheetos, right? As a, a evening snack, that's easy. Don't even worry about it. It's going to it's it's going to be tasty. He's like, "Look, their protection has departed from them and the Lord is with us." Don't fear. Like, let's roll. The congregation is so uh, like tunnel vision, tunnel visioned. They're 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 in such a tunnel vision that the sound of truth makes them want to kill the messengers. They said, "Let's stone these guys, dude." These guys that Caleb and Joshua saw what God wanted them to see and are bringing back a correct word, and everybody wants to kill them. This is quite fascinating. (laughs) Oh, man. So it's bad, right? So God shows up, and uh, God says, oh, my gosh. He says, I'm going to kill all these peoples. And Moses, I'm going to turn you into a mighty nation, much greater than these people. Don't even worry about it. (laughs) And Moses is, is... is interesting, man. Moses goes into this whole thing where he's like, hey, man, if you, if you do that, everybody's going to hear about it. And they're going to think that you couldn't bring this people into the land you promised us because everybody knows what you did in Egypt. 
So if you kill all these people now, they're going to think you, you know, you couldn't do it. And so Moses is like convincing God to, hey, forgive these people and don't just kill them all. And, and God hears him out. And God says, I have pardoned according to your word. Right? He's talking to Moses. He says, I've pardoned according to your, Moses' word. But truly, tr- <laughs> but truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Right? That was the whole point of Egypt, was that he was displaying his glory, who he was, what he was about, what he could do. And so it's just like he, you know, it's like he gets resold on the vision almost. And so he starts dishing out, you know, the um, the consequence, and says, you know, these people, the the you know the the military age people, twenty and older, you know, these people are going to die in the wilderness for the next forty years. He says, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. So this is the story. Definitely, you know, read the whole thing. But this is the story. This all came about because God told Moses to send out 12 spies. So, question number one, why did God send out the spies? What did he actually want the, the spies to experience? And what, what word did he want them to bring back? Because if you think about it, right, it's like <clears throat> up until this point, Israel is where they are based upon the word of God, the promise of God, and the direction of God. The, the promised land has just been a word. It's been that. It's been a promise. But they were about to embark on a new season where they were actually going to have to do some new things. They were actually going to have to fight the people, take over the land, and then they were going to have to create a whole new way of thinking in the land. They are going to have to actually take responsibility for their own lives and their outcomes. They were going to have to learn how to farm for themselves and have vision for what their land could look like and how to support themselves and their their families. And Right? They were... They, it was... <laughs> They needed to become who they were really created to become, right? Coming out of this slavery mentality, which which was which the byproduct of that was like they kind of had a mentality that they're just not created to live in. So they get up to the promised land, to the threshold, if you will. And now you can't send the entire congregation in to just check out the land. Like, go check, you know, like if you're gonna go buy a new house. You call up the realtor, you say, hey, I want to go see this place. And you go and you test it out. You check it out. You see, you know, uh, well, how big are the rooms? You know, what's the fridge look like? You know, the living room, the outs, the backyard, the front yard, the, what, you know, the garage, you know, can you even fit a car in there? I don't know. But you go and you check it out. Well, this was kind of like, like you, you, this is kind of like what was happening, but you couldn't send everybody in to check it out because it was, you know, 
You couldn't do it discreetly. You couldn't send over a million people discreetly into land. I don't know. You just couldn't do it. Sorry. But you could send 12 people in discreetly without making any noise. You could. So God told Moses, hey, send 12 spies into the land. Each man needs to be a leader, a head, somebody with influence, somebody that people would trust. Go and send them into the land so that they can go give a report back on what they saw. Because what's the whole point? The point is, is is that they could go see with their own eyes the what was an invisible promise, if you will, from God, right? It was a word. But now it's time for the word to be made flesh. Go send these guys in, man. Let them like walk in the grass with their own feet. Let them smell the air with their own noses. Let them taste the fruit with their own mouths, right? Like let them see with their own eyes, like the the epic features, right? The, the, The mountains, the trees, the canyons, the streams, the rivers, like go see what I've been telling you. Go see it with your own eyes. The things that you've just been believing on faith, go see it for yourself, right? This was meant to be like an affirmation, a confirmation. Everything I've said is for reals. Go experience it because it's about to go down. It's about to become yours. You're about to embark on it, right? So they were supposed to to have this legitimate, powerful encounter with God where they're experiencing the reality of the promise. They This is fascinating because these 12 guys were meant to encounter God and bring back to the congregation that encounter. That was meant to pump the people up, right? That like to, to, for people to go see what God had said and come back and be like, guys, everything God said was for rails. Like, let's roll, right? It was meant to like infuse courage. It was, it was meant to like create this like excitement, motivation, an urgency, uh, like, hey man, let's go. Like, it's like, it's taken us a hot minute to get here. Let's freaking go. I'm ready to have my own place. You know what I'm saying? Have some cows, some chickens. I'm ready to lay out in the grass and just chillax, dump the sand out of my sandals. You know, let's go. It, w- it was meant to prepare the people. It was, they were meant to bring back proof. And that's kind of what, you know, they're like, hey, look, there's the land flows with milk and honey. Look at the fruit, right? Like, see, like for reals, this is what the land can do. That was the intention of God. But here's what's fascinating. Did you know that it's possible to miss God's intention? It's not going to happen to me and you. But it's possible. What's more is that 10 out of the 12, they were all 12 were leaders, heads. And 10 totally missed God. That's interesting. 
But God's intent was to prove that what he had been telling them was for reals so that then they would, they would, you know, have enough courage to actually go and do the things that were necessary to turn God's dream into a reality, this dream that they've been dreaming. That's really what this message is about. We're going we're gonna to pull some very important principles out of here. But it's like this, this season, it's like God wants to show you and me. It's already been happening for me. I hope it's already been happening for you. Where God is confirming and affirming his word, right? Like the, the, the verses you chew on, like the things that have spoken to you, the dreams that you dream in God. God's aim is to confirm and affirm those things that you would start to see with your own eyes. That it's like, hey, man, this is for reals. Hey, what, who, who I said you are, the gifts that I've given you, the things that I've called you to, this stuff's for real. It's for real. See with your own eyes. Walk, walk in it with your own feet. Taste it with your own lips. That's really what this message is about. It's about really seeing God's intent for your life, for this world, man, like his vision, purpose, <laughs> who we are, you know, oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord to display his splendor. The unique things that God's placed in you He's ready to confirm and affirm that so that you can taste it at a deeper level so that we would, we would take the courage and do the things that we've been dreaming in him and start making those bad mammy jammas into realities. That's God's intent. <laughs> and what a good intent that is. So... But let's check this out. I'll just Let's just see how this went down. So that was God's intent. That's what he wanted the spies to see. That was the message he wanted them to bring back. And the whole thing was meant to help everybody just charge forward. But that's not what happened. Now, that's, that's, that, this is not what's, what's going to happen to us. This is what happened to them. So, but, what, but there's some things that we can take out of this to help us keep jamming on our journeys of purpose. So check this out, right? I don't understand how this, this happened because like the congregation is like over a million people. So I don't know it. Cause it seemed like it kind of, kind of reads like the way I pictured anyways, like these guys start walking up and maybe people see them from a long way off. I don't know. And they start Gathering everybody up. Says, hey, man, these guys, they're back. It's been 40 days. They're back. Come. They got fruit. I can see it. You know, and so everybody gathers up, and Moses and Aaron are there, and these spies walk up, or, you know, the 12, 12 man walk up, and bam, they just start going off. Now, I don't know what it is, 
but I don't I don't know what it is, but sometimes it seems like the people with the lowest perspective often feel the greatest urgency to speak. <laughs> So the guys with the bad reports speak first. It's interesting, right? Like, I just think about, like, their dialogue, their processing on their way back and what their conversations look like. But anyway, so they just blurt out, man, you know, here's what's happening. Now, from a leadership, if we're going to take a leadership uh, um, lesson out of here, it would be to debrief your spies before you let them speak to the congregation. The power of a debrief. You see, if Moses and Aaron would have took these 12 guys to a private place where they could just have a, have a conversation, oh, tell us what you saw, you would have had this bad perspective come out just like it did here. And then Caleb would have jumped in just like he did in front of the congregation. He said, no, man, that's not, that's not right. We can go take this. We can do this, right? So what you would have had, what you would have had a private leader group where Moses and Aaron could have actually like discerned what, which word was actually correct. Because essentially you have two words. You have, no, it's not possible. And you have, my good peoples, let's freaking saddle up the ponies and ride because this place is ours. Two very different words. So Moses could have, you know, heard both perspectives, could have processed a little bit with everybody, and then made a decision on who should be the one to report back to the congregation, right? Which would have been Joshua and Caleb. The power of a debrief is that you're taking the power of a debrief is that Moses, in this instance, would have taken responsibility for the word that was about to go to the congregation. And it would have allowed him to, to explain to those guys, hey, that this, the 12, the 10 spies, like, hey, guys, this is the wrong word. That's not why God sent you in there. Like, you missed it. And if we share that word, they're all going to miss it. Like, here, here's the word to believe in that it's possible. That would have, that would have been, uh, that outcome would have been afforded to them if they had debriefed. So that's the leadership principle. Debrief your peoples before they talk to everybody. (laughs) Oh man. So here you go, right? You got the wrong word brought about by the wrong interpretation based upon the wrong perspective. And it influenced an entire generation to get disqualified from their destiny. The wrong word believed in can mess you up. That's a fact. That's a fact. So it's very important to be able to hear God for yourself. The congregation, you know, not, not, not to just poop all over Israel, but man, they were, these guys were a bunch of followers. These guys were, they, they, they were at the mercy of the circumstances and situations of life. They were influenced by the negative. 
They, they, they were driven by the negative, and they didn't even know what to do with positive thinking. And in this day and age, man, there's all kinds of weird ideologies and messages out there. Where you get your information from, it matters. And if you're not careful, man, you can get swept away just like this group because, you know, you hear a, a bunch of people who are have the position of leader and they say certain things and you think, well, man, if they said it. I mean, those guys went to school, they whatever, you know, they they're the authority. And if they said it, then it must be true. Well, that's just not the case. Here was 12 leaders went out. And only two of them actually knew how to hear God. God said, Caleb is going to go into the promised land because this guy's got a different spirit. This is interesting. He's got a different spirit. What's Paul say? He's got to be, you got to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, the attitude of your mind. He said, this guy's got a different spirit. There's something different about it. His attitude's different. His perspective is different. He looks at the world from a different perspective. And therefore, he takes certain actions that are different from everybody else because they're based on his different perspective. This guy follows me fully. This guy's going to go into the promised land and his descendants are going to inherit it. Because this guy's got a different spirit. Well, that's us. That's us, my good peoples. We got the different spirit. So the question is then, is what, what do you do when you hear a word? Like how do you properly and effectively judge a word? Because here we had two different words. So how do you actually, like, what's the actual just basic process on how to evaluate the word? Like, is that word actually coming from God, or is that just coming from somebody's, like, jacked-up perspective? And so the way they see the world, then it, what God said gets interpreted incorrectly. Happens all the time. Happened right here. People's incorrect perspective caused them to interpret God differently and interpret the situations differently. So it becomes very necessary to know how to judge for yourself what's true, what's real, what's, what's actually God and what is not. Because I'm not interested in the counterfeit. I went down that path, and I tell you, there ain't no cotton candy down there. <laughs> it's all rotten peanuts, I'm telling you, it's gross. So check this out, right? Ephesians 4, I love this passage. I talk about it all the time because it's so important. It says, and God, right? This is Paul talking. Ephesians 4, starting at verse 11. God gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect Man, oh my gosh, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about 
by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men in cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting. Oh my. Right? It's like all these things so that we'd no longer be children tossed around by the wind of every doctrine, every word, every ideology. Man, there's all kinds of <laughs> garbage going on out there in this world. A lot of people trying to convince you to believe certain things. A lot of just really weird, like things that history has already proven that they don't work or they're not right. And all of a sudden, like they are, I, I don't think it really works like that. But check this out, right? Like, <clears throat> so step one is, is like, how do you judge a word? Step one is you got to check your source. You're sourcing information. Where are you getting your information from? Is it the news? I mean, you <laughs> just forget that. You know, is it just, is where, where is it? Where are you getting it from? Is it from the schools? Is it from the state? Is it from the government, politicians? The, where, where are you getting your information from? So God says, God, oh, Paul says that God gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. All right. Well, these are like leaders of the people, just like the spies had sent out twelve leaders. All right, but how do you how do you know if like somebody's like I don't know worth listening to? I mean, technically you can kind of feel it out pretty quick, but that's only if you got a baseline of like knowledge. But but here we go. So here's 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 the purpose of these five people that God gave to everybody, right? Is that the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher is for the equipping of the saints for work and ministry, meaning like the gift that you have that God put there. It's like these people are here to help you discover it, define it, refine it, and then serve it to the world, right? Where we would display the splendor of God through the use of that gift. All right, it's, they also, it's for the edifying, the building up, until we all come to unity in the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. I think this is hilarious. To a perfect man. Woo! If people are selling you brokenness and sin and, you know, perfection doesn't come until you die, well, they're not working off the, like, the right message. Man, I heard it like this. This was amazing. This was a quote somebody else quoted. If you're not free from sin until death, then Jesus isn't your Savior. Death is. If you're not free from sin until death, then Jesus isn't your Savior. Death is. Because if you don't become free until death, then you better start worshiping death. Dang. That's like, that's so well worded. So you got to check your source, right? Like, is, does the message actually line up with, with the truth? Right? Because it's in this life that we're, we're, we're seeking to grow in unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Over and over, Paul says, hey, man, it's like you were, you were created to become just like Jesus. So anybody who's bringing a message that says, man, that's not possible, doesn't know what they're talking about. And it's here where we, we find out 
that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine. All right, so step one, you got to check that source. So how do you correctly judge a word, right? Step one, check the stores. All right. I love this one. All right, 2 Timothy 1.7. This is Paul talking again. Paul's the man, all right? Paul is the man. All right. Paul tells Timothy, he says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind or self-control. Right? That last word means sound mind and self-control. And both those words are legit. All right. So first he says, he says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of these things, right? Well, the word spirit there is a lowercase s. If it's an uppercase S, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. If it's a lowercase S, we're talking about your spirit. Oh, my gosh. This is like that born again, the old is gone, the new has come, right? Put on the new man, renewed in the knowledge of God. Oh, come on, somebody. So that spirit, that inside, like the spirit, spirit is the first thing that we are. Everything else fits inside of our spirit, and he says that thing that became brand new, that not, has nothing to do with fear. That's not the, that's not the attitude. That's not the mentality. That's not, that's, that's not the makeup. But of power, of love, and a sound mind, self-control. So the word power, right? That's, that, that's that, the, the dunamis, the dynamite. It's the miracle working power. It's ability. He didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of ability. You know, it's like that dunamis, the dynamite. If if you like the train track, the train was quite the invention. And the track, you know, it's like you're able to take people and goods all over the place very easily. But you had to create the, the pathway for the track, right? If you get to a mountain and you need to punch a tunnel through that mountain, what do you use? Freaking you use dynamite. If God wanted to send his people to manifest the kingdom of heaven on earth, you know who he sends? He sends you because you got that dynamite power who will bust through the mountain to make a clear pathway to the true knowledge and reality of God. Power. That's the spirit that we have. Power. All right, love. We should really do a talk on this sometime. But love is the mentality. It's the attitude. Love's got so much insight and understanding that it just acts a certain way. It perceives the world and people and situations in such an epic way. Love's like your attitude. And a sound mind and self-control. All right, this gets exciting right here. Sound mind is legally having the capacity to think, reason, and understand for yourself. I love it. Sound mind is legally having the capacity to think, reason, and understand for yourself. Where you can think on your own. And you can understand on your own. And you can study and research and and get advice and piece it all together. And in God, you have the capacity to think, 
for yourself. This means then that you don't have to blindly follow anybody. We don't blindly follow. We don't just, just because we hear something, we don't just believe it. No, we got the capacity to think, to reason and understand. That's a sound mind. Now, self-control, it's a beautiful companion because self-control is your ability to control yourself. So, So let's check this out. Let's pretend that we are in the congregation of Israel. So picture it, man. Just picture it in your mind parts. These 12 spies, right? You can see them, you know. They, 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 there's two guys with the big stick and the cluster of grapes. They got figs, pomegranates, you know. They're kind of they're com- coming back, and they're walking up this hill. And, every, you know, we all, you know, people are like, hey, they're coming, they're coming. So we start, you know, we start walking towards, you know, uh, wherever they're meeting. Moses and Aaron, they're up front. So here we are, and then these guys walk in, and Moses and Aaron got a big smile on their face. These guys show up. And then, bam, you know, the first guy goes off. He's like, hey, man, the land really does flow with milk and honey. We're like, yes, it does. (laughs) But then they're like, yeah, nevertheless, man, the people are big, and it's really not possible. You're like, no. (laughs) And Caleb jumps in. He's like, no, guys, look, man, we can go. We can roll. Like, let's, let's hit it. So here we go. We're in the congregation. We're hearing these two words, right? So here's how it, here's how it kind of works out in your mind, in my mind, anyways. So we hear a word. The guy, the guy shares something, and that word starts to move into our imagination. So they're like, "Hey, man, the land flows with milk and honey," and you're looking at that fruit, and that fruit is huge and ripe and looks delicious. And you're thinking, "Man, I wish they would have brought more." But then they're like, hey, man, the people are big. And you start picturing these really big people, right, these giants. And you're looking up, and they're looking down, and you're like, oh, my gosh. And then they're like, they're saying it's not possible. It's not, it's not going to happen. they got the descendants of Anak. There's all these powerful uh, people, groups are out there. And, like, you just you can start picturing it. You can picture, like, a battlefield, and there's just there's smoke, and there's dead bodies everywhere, and it's just like Israel, us got thwarted and destroyed. So you can start to see that, right? You can picture it. Maybe even you can even start to feel the fear a little bit. But here's how you start to judge a word, is that you don't just get swept up in your imagination. Because this is how faith is created, you can have faith in, in the inferior. That's possible. That's, it's more than possible. So somebody shares a word, you start to picture it, and you get emotionally connected to it. You're building that faith. You're actually starting to feel, you're, like you're picturing it in your mind. Your body thinks what you're picturing is for real. So you, it starts producing these emotions. And now you can, it starts to feel like that word is possible. Well, that's what happened with the congregation of Israel is that they believed that that word, that it's impossible, was the truth. So they put all their faith in that, and they started to make, they started to come up with, quote-unquote, solutions based upon their faith, right? This is impossible, therefore we need to go back to Egypt. So the way we actually begin to judge the word is like, all right, we hear the first one, and we start to see like the negative outcome. But then we detach. 
we, we take a step back. I don't know if you guys ever saw that uh, movie Doctor Strange, or it, it also happened in Avengers, but there's like this scene where one of the wizards, you know, uh, there's somebody standing in front of them, they kind of hit him in the chest, and then their physical body stays put, but it's like they hit their spiritual self out of their physical body. And so now they're detached from the physical and they're they're like up in the air floating and kind of looking where they were once kind of emotional. They're kind of detached and now they're having this weird conversation. Well, that's kind of like what detaching is, is that like we take a step back, we get out of the weeds, we, uh, we disconnect emotionally so that we can look at this situation objectively. So that's step two, which is detached. So step one, check your source. Step two, detached. So here we are detached, right? We hear this bad word, but we take a step back. Here's where we need to actually think about what God has actually said. Here's somebody, these people, which we know have a tendency to have the wrong perspective. So we need to go back and revisit and review what God has said. What are some of the promises? What, what, why are we even here? Why are we in, the, in this congregation? Why were the spies sent out? Like we have to actually begin to think, reason, and understand for ourselves. So let's go back. Let's think a little bit. If we go to back to Genesis 15, we go back to Abraham. And Abraham and God are talking, and God's like, hey, I'm going to turn you into a nation. Abraham's like, bro, I don't even have a kid. How can I become a nation? And so in uh, Genesis 15, 13 through 16, it goes like this. It says, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, talking about Egypt, and will serve them, and they will afflict them for 400 years. And also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. Afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace and you shall be buried at a good old ripe age. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. So here's God telling him what's about to transpire, right? You're going to have a son. You're going to have a bunch of descendants as numerous as the star of the skies. And they're going to they're gonna come out of Egypt where they've been oppressed, and they're going to go to the promised land. But it's not going to happen until the fourth generation, because of right here. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Like the the what they've done, it's like the the they haven't quite done enough to have the punishment that is about to happen when the Israelites come. But it's going to get there. We just need a little more time, right? So it's talking about the season. It's just not quite ripe yet. But here's a promise, right? All right, well, here, there's another one. There's all kinds, but these are just ones that like stood out to me as I've been uh, reading in the Old Testament. In Leviticus, they're getting all these laws. And super interesting, in uh, Leviticus 18, they're talking about relations. And they're like, hey, you know, you shouldn't marry your father's wife, right? Back in the day, people had multiple wives, so not necessarily talking about your mom, but your father's wife, an additional, you know, somebody else. He's like, hey, you shouldn't uh, be with that person. 
a man should not be with a man and a woman should not be with a woman and no man or woman should be with an animal, right? He's like, <laughs> because of all these things, the land's going to vomit them out. Right? So it says it right here in Leviticus 18, 24. It says, Do not defile yourselves with any of these things, for by all these things the nations are defiled, which I am casting out before you. For the land is defiled. Therefore, I visit the punishment of its iniquity upon it, and the land vomits out its inhabitants. You shall therefore keep my statutes, my judgments, and shall not commit any of these abominations, either any of your own nation or any stranger who dwells among you. For all these abominations the men of the land have done who were before you, and thus the land is defiled, lest the land vomit you out also when you defile it, as it vomited out the nations who were before you. So here's another passage that says, like, the things that they have done have caused them to defile the land, and now the land's going to vomit them out. So it's like these people, you know, I'm, I'm dispossessing these people. I'm casting them out before you, right? So just make sure you're not doing the same things they were doing. But the, but the point is this. Their season had come. It was time for these people to get out of the land. So, so here we are. We're in the congregation, right? We're hearing this bad report, but then we stop. We detach, right? We check our source. We're like, well, right? Because Caleb stood up. Joshua stood up. All right, well, these guys, they got a different character. They, they got a different perspective. So we're like, we're taking, we're thinking, ourselves, right? We're taking all this stuff into account. Then we're reviewing what God has actually said. And when we review it, we're like, all right, well, you know, the biggest complaint that these people have is like, hey, the people are bad. The people are big. Well, but the size of the person isn't the biggest factor. There's something much more powerful at play, and that's the will of God. Because if you look at... Um, you know, the, the second Joshua and Caleb uh, interruption, right? They were like, hey, look, these people, man, they're going to be our bread. They're going to, like, become our nourishment. He's like, look, their protection has left them, and God is with us, right? Because it's talking about the land is about to vomit them out. I'm casting them out because of what they've done. So these guys are taking all these words and, the, and and they're seeing the situation through the promises. And they're like, hey, no, this is what God said because this is what God said. They interpret the situation correctly because they interpret the situation correctly. They got the right word. They have the right action steps where the other guys are like, hey, look, this isn't even possible. What should we do? Well, yeah, we should get rid of Moses and Aaron, get us a new leader to go back to Egypt, right? They're coming up with solutions based upon their perspective and their conclusion. The problem is it just has nothing to do with God. Which is hilarious. What the fr what are you going to do? You're going to go back to Egypt, go to the throne room and be like, "Hey, we'd like to be your slaves again?" Like how uncreative is that thinking? I mean, for if just be, if you were going to if you were going to forget God's word, then forget the rest of the congregation, my good peoples, right? Like <laughs> Why couldn't you go stay anywhere else? <laughs> Why would you go back to e Egypt? It's just, it's so bad, man. The lack of creativity. Fear 
and creative thinking don't really go together. Not real creative thinking, right, in terms of like forward movement. But that's the process and how you actually judge a word. Right? Step one, you got to check your source. Step two, you got to detach. You got to step back, kind of get out of it for a second and think objectively. And step three is you got to judge it. You got to actually review what God has said about who you are, where you're going, what you're doing. What is this season for you? Like, what has He spoken this season about? And then you, you look at that word through the lens of truth. And then you start to see a lot more clearly on, on which path to take and how to think. So that is part one. Part two is going to be equally as wonderful. And we're actually going to look at, um, we're going to, we're going to look a little bit at how to change the way you think. Because this was a big part of Israel's problem, is that they were stuck in a pattern of thought. And so how do you then get out of it? Because the promised land is going to be like this new season, right? For them, it was the promised land. For us, it's like whatever this new season is, it's going to require that we have the right perspective of who God is and who we are. We need to know who we are for reals, right? Because again, all those things affect your perspective, which then affects how you interpret what you see and what you hear. And as we found out, if you got the wrong perspective, you come up with the wrong conclusions. And then you start seeking out solutions to your perceived problem. You say, well, if this is, if this is where we're at, then what do we need it to do, right? And they're like, let's go back to Egypt. Well, that's a really dumb idea. But it's based upon, that's their kind of creative solution based upon how they see things. Well, we need to make sure that we're looking at things accurately that we're looking at ourselves and our call and our mission and our pathway correctly so that then we're making the correct assessments. Because based upon the correct perspective, man, then your creativity is going to fly, man. It's like the, the things you think are going to be epic. The dreams you're dreaming are the dreams that God's dreaming. Now we're in line. Now we're cooking. Now we're tasting of the fruit, So I pray, man, I pray that you, you in just the most wonderful and spectacular ways, that you would find the confirmation, the affirmation of the dreams that you've been dreaming, the thoughts, man, the good ones, the things of God that you've been just chewing on, that you've been, you know, the stuff that you've been working on creating, want to create, the, 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 the words that he's given you, the words that he's given you and you've forgotten. And I can't tell you, I started re-listening to an audio program and I was like, it is amazing how much you, how much you can learn and then forget. And it's like getting back into the right mentality, having the right self-talk, your default underlining self-talk and attitude. We want to make sure that we get that thing adjusted based upon the truth. And that's what next week's talk's going to, or next time's talk's going to be about. It's like, let's, let's get back to high quality thinking and feeling and acting. 
because this next season's uh, needs it. You know, we're always moving towards growth and development and maturity for expansion and greater expression. We're always moving forward. And we need to realign our thoughts and our emotions with like the kingdom mentality, with the conqueror mentality, not the conquered, not the weak, not the beat up, not the overwhelmed, not the anxious, not the worried, the full of faith, the full of hope, the the full of the picture of what it is we're working towards, knowing that every step we take is creating the very thing that we've been dreaming. My good peoples, I pray in the most fabulous ways that you would just find yourself thinking such wonderful thoughts of success, of growth, of, of, of action. And you would find just these moments of confirmation just out of nowhere, seemingly out of nowhere, just ever so surprised and ever so grateful for these wonderful words and confirmations. My good peoples, thanks for kicking it. Until next time, peace!